Welcome to Be Your Own Muse, the Spelman College Museum of Fine Arts podcast series where we present conversations with black women cultural producers. I am Floyd Hall. In this episode, Micheline Thomas shares some thoughts about her latest exhibition, Micheline Thomas, Mentors, Muses, and Celebrities. This is part two of a two-part conversation. Micheline Thomas, Mentors, Muses, and Celebrities, is organized by the Aspen Art Museum. It will be on view at the Spelman College Museum of Fine Art from February 9th through May 20th, 2017. Now, also with the exhibition, going back to this notion of creating space, mm-hmm. um, you've created a similar uh, space for contemplation mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or comfort yeah. within these sort of grand video displays uh, where people can, I think, receive a lot of the, the, the energy from what's mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. in the, a space. Talk about what was important about creating those physical spaces for contemplation yeah. of this work. Yeah, what was important for me to create these spaces was to allow the viewer a moment of pause, of, of entering, of stopping, and really engaging with the work. As a painter, you know, I've always, you know, it's painting is one of those mediums that uh, it's usually a given where it's just like you go, you stop, you look, you really look to try to see how they made it. What was that stroke, that gesture, that line? Um, you go up to, you move back, you go from one side to the other to really take it in, take in the, the image. So it has a more slowing down relationship with the viewer of, sort of how they respond to the work. And so once I got into video, I wanted the same same response from the viewer. Um, and I just noticed through my experience with watching video, sometimes there's usually this very passing through very quickly if the image did not sort of capture, capture your engagement immediately. Um, that it was mostly a passing thing. It's like, okay, that it had to be like a punch or something really um, funny or just something that really s- sort of grabbed you immediately to hold you there. And I think it's really challenging to do that in video. And I think, you know, in, on big screens, we do that. We are ke- we're able to do that with film. And as a painter those gestural slowness, the marks, the sort of speed of a stroke or the slowness, I'm always considering how to keep the viewer in this moment. And so I was creating these tableaus. It just made sense to, you know, think of like a Rothko with a seat in front of his painting of allowing the viewer that same comfort level of watching the video so that when they're engaging with it, they're really taking in the sound and the fastness of these images. But then all of the um, objects in the space allowed them to engage with where they were sitting and to have other conversations, whether it be the book, you know, the smell of the 
the plants, the artifices that I'm playing with, fake plants, real plants, mm-hmm. these spaces of time and space to and capture the viewer at that moment to just be and sit still um, and the environment. Yeah. And that's what those spaces are for me. They're very contemplative of sort of these uh, mandalas or mantras, these, you know, spheres of where you just sit right in that moment, you know, which is for me very, um, I guess growing up as a Buddhist, I always thought of sort of these um, meditative moments, you know, mm. of, you know, just being. And I'm always trying to bring some of those philosophies into my work. Um, whether it's something fast or slow, how can you have with the fastness also that very slow steadiness where the viewer can just be and everything is just moving around them, but they're so centered and they're able to visually engage with the work. I think back to a conversation I was reading between you and Carrie Mae Weems. Mm, okay. And I remember in the book, there's a conversation between you two where I think you're talking about uh, could a man have made the work? I think if a man did the work I, I, I am doing currently and, you know, even sort of my body of work, it would be different. Um, there's so much for me that I bring, and I think it's, you know, women are beautiful, right? You know, it's just like all encompassing and you know just you know I think as a person who loves women I mean it's everything about them that I'm portraying in the image that I bring on as another woman I think we see each other differently right and we look at we look to each other in ways um, that are beyond um, they're far beyond it's like this innate since sister here it's just like this given you can you know you you can be with each other and just understand and not speak and and I think it's this sort of this connection for me with women that is fantastic you know like women are women are sexy and I think men the way they look at women is completely with a different gaze than what I how I look at women um I'm able to sort of um, decipher between um, my libido <laughs> and my desire, but also the sisterhood I have for someone, mm-hmm. right? And that's what I'm hoping in my work comes forth, that it's this, this, this love, it's entangled so deeply in a way because <clears throat> I'm wanting those relationships of it being my sisterhood and then sort of my my deep desire and attraction towards these women so it's 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 a little complicated right yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a little complicated because most of the women that have been that are in my work some of them are lovers or have been lovers and some of them are just friends and i think um that relationship is not something that always is evident in the work and you know I think for many years in my work and it's it's not something that's been talked about I think you know 
Kara Walker and I had a conversation about it where she described um, the the forwardness in my work as it being my libido lust. And and I was and I questioned that and I thought, well, I never even considered that because most of the women that I desire I don't actually use in my work. Um, it's most most of the women that I um, covet in the way and sort of how they hold themselves in the world and how they present themselves, um, the perception of who they are that is the attraction. Mm. Um, it's that feminine um energy that they exude that for me is just very powerful and I think women who understand that energy and use it I think it's just extremely um, for me more of a feminist act because they really understand how to use the aspects of their femininity in the world to, to define who they are in the recent book of your photography, mm-hmm. as well as in this exhibition, um, you're also using your, your your platform to highlight other artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that way, you yeah. are a, a mentor and someone who is elevating others. Yeah. Talk about that and what that means to you at this point in it's your career. It, oh, that's, for me, that's such a defining thing to, to be in the artist that I am. And I think as a an artist and as I grow as an artist and as my career um, moves forward, it is very important for me to bring artists that I feel are doing amazing work to help them move forward as well. Um, the tete-a-tete in the book, the sort of the conversation that I'm having with these other photographers came about, I think, mainly it was a conversation that we I had in 2012 with a group of artists, uh, Xavier Simmons, Derek Adams, and Clifford Owens. And it was came about a conversation about collaboration. But what I started thinking beyond the notion of collaboration was more about lineage, right? And how there are these artists that are mentors to me, Carrie May- Weems being one, Renee Cox being another, Lyle Ashton Harris being another mentor, um, and thinking how here they are in the world, and we see them. If you're in New York, you know these artists, but the engagement level is always like us and them, right? And as an art- artist, I started questioning why does it have to be us, the young, the young ones, and them, the ones who came before us? why can't we have these platforms where there's this discourse of our work that's all engaging and conversation so that you can see why Micheline Thomas or Dina Lawson or Xavier Simmons or Lorna Simpson, why we're making the work we're making, right? And where it's coming from and how we're looking at each other and then speaking about the you know the diaspora of how we're all here but we're we're speaking about the black body but all from our own personal experiences and they're not the same and nor should they be the same right (laughs) 
we're you, we're black people, but we we are from various cloths and you know and different different aspects of culture and education and experiences that when you think of black art, it shouldn't be one thing. In the same way, when you think of when you think of European art and when you think of conceptual art, you're not looking at one particular person. You're looking at how they are conceptualizing or thinking about their work. So when you think about the black body, it is, it's coming from all of these different vari variations, right? All these variables based on who we are. And so that's where tete-a-tete for me was about like, what is the black body and whose black body? From Zanelli Muhali, her experience with the black body of being a South African photographer is a different experience than my experience of a black body in America. Yeah. You know, and these conversations need to be looked at. And once we, if we can create these platforms and spaces to see that, it can shift the conversation and how we're talking about, you know, in that engagement. And so for me, Tete Tete just started growing out of that and it became a need that, a need in a very important way that if I'm going to have the opportunity to, to show I want my work in context with all these other people. It is important for me to have my work in context with all the people. I think solo shows are egotistical, and I don't really like them. I think they're just, you know, yeah, I make the work. But when I'm in my studio making work, I'm thinking about all of these other things, these other people that come into play, right? So when you present the work, it should be about all of those other people and things that have helped you make the work that you're making, right? that presentation should not just be a solo act, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, you know, like, and so for me, I don't really like solo shows because that's to say that I have done it all by myself. Mm. Okay. You know? Yeah. And when I'm in the studio, I'm not doing it all by myself. Yeah. I'm making it, but there's all of these things and conversations that I'm having and looking at that is feeding and guiding the work. So the pre presentation of the work should be about how did you get there? And, and that's where Tete Tete was. And when I was offered this photo show, I told my gallery, I said, I can't have a photo show without these other artists. It doesn't make sense because when I started making my photography, I was looking at all of these other artists. So it's injustice for me to put my photographs up on a wall when it came out of all of this other dialogue and, and artists that I was looking at and that I've sort of pulled from. So that's the conversation with my work. And so that's tete-a-tete. -tete. And so for the past three years, I push forward always um, bringing tete-a-tete -tete in, some, in some iteration. Um, it's important for me when I was invited for to do this book with Aperture, they wanted to do this book again about my photography, about the photographs. And I said, well, <laughs> we need to some way bring in the artists that make my photographs important in conversation. Because for me, I can't have these images out there without having these other photographers. Yeah. It's very important to me. And, and what's been great, a lot of these photographers such as Dina Lawson and Zanelli Muhali and even Derek Adams as a visual artist, 
because of these various iterations of exhibitions that have been put on through Tete-a-Tete, they've been picked up by um, other galleries or had museum shows, and it's great because they've that exposure, for me, that's how I could sort of bring, you know, my group of friends and artists that I love up with me because it's, I mean, for me, I'm not interested of being where I am by myself. Yeah. <laughs> I want right. to look around and see my friends with me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to look around and know that, you know, Derek that I've known for over 20 years is growing as an artist and making work and our work is in dialogue. And it's, I think, you know, a lot of times it's art becomes so much about the ego. Um, and I think that's a dangerous space. Hmm. Um, and because art is not that, because once you put it out in the world, it's about everyone embracing it and you want people to. And so the making of that process should be the same and the exhibiting of that should be the same. Yeah. And I think there's this notion with like uh, group shows that are a little sort of um, skewed in ways where it's just uh, not about sort of the encompassing how artists are looking at each other and sort of that growth and they're making like certain artists you can't make what you're making without this artist but we want to exclude that in conversation and I'm interested you know like my painting show I'm supposed to have um, coming up you know I told my gallery I said look I want to have a painting show a solo show but we can't call it a solo show I want to have a painting show but we need to include painters that I've been looking at to make those works. Mm. I think it's just important yeah. in creating a discourse around who I am as an artist and the work that I'm interested in making. So so Tete Tete goes with me. Okay. And, <laughs> and that's how I pushed it to have it here at Spelman yeah. and, and a new iteration with video because it was very important for me to um, – bring on other artists and yeah. give them the opportunity and I think it's great for Spellman to welcome that and um, have it be a part of this exhibition in terms of working with other artists I think that um, you've had several collaborations mm -hmm. um, that have gained some some visibility and I think one of them in particular with uh, Solange Knowles mm -hmm. uh, has been uh, pretty popular in terms of the work that you all have done yeah, yeah. together. So as a, as a, a peer, as a friend, mm -hmm. um, what was it like for you to see her have the kind of year that she had last year in terms oh, of yeah. the work that, that she made and the reception to that work? It's fantastic. I'm just watching her grow as an artist is an inspiration. And I think she's one of those like really raw artists that r goes back to the studio right she she puts stuff out there and then she looks at herself she questions what she's making she pushes herself and really tries to respond to what's happening around her and using her her music as sort of the message you know like putting it all in there and i think i i like her her realness you know there's something that brought us together and um allowed us to make the work that we did make together and to grow separately but also respectfully look at each other and and it's it, I think it's a great nod when you can bring 
um, to people from various aspects of, you know, a media, music, and visual artists together and have it work. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> and the fact that she sought me out was a great honor to have her say that she wanted to work with me. I have to be honest, when we first started, I didn't know who she was. And so that was uh, <laughs> quite embarrassing. Really? Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm one of those people that just like, I'm popular coach, like music is, like I listen to music, but I listen to a lot of, you know, older <laughs> stuff. So when she, I had to have my uh, assistant tell me like, do you know who that is? I'm like, uh, no. And he's like, because she didn't use her last name when she introduced herself. I was like, no, I don't know who that is. And she's like, that's uh, Beyonce's sister. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize she made music. <laughs> so so in, in terms of, of that collaboration and even just like the working, the process of that, of that discovery for you, what was that like? You know, collaborating is can always be a struggle but i think because we were had like similar interests that it became so easy it was so effortless in a way to sort of think about um what it is she her goal was and what my goal was and um i think you know when she approached me to you know want to do the video in my 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 space at first i was like you want to you, you want to come to my studio <laughs> and, and I was like okay but then we started talking about um, because I didn't actually direct the video that was just them coming to my studio um, I just created the um, tableau the installation for them to perform in and so th from that moment I think it opened the door for us to work on other collaborations like she um, and it was a collaboration for me that was not necessarily it wasn't about money or anything it was mostly a barter system you know and, and and I love that it was kind of like okay you can you do this for me and then I'll do this for you and then she did this amazing project with me that I did in Switzerland where I got these musicians together I created this interior space that was basically an apartment almost like a speakeasy where you walked in and so when you came into the space all aspects of it was functioning like an apartment but it was a bar in there and then it was this stage for performers and so um it was kind of like a huge like you know um venue of uh where you can see musicians sing and so she became like the open the sort of like the the act of the night and um which was really exciting to have have her come there and work with local musicians through Switzerland and Sweden. So you had these young musicians who were collaborating with Solange. And so that was just an amazing gift that she gave to sort of exchange. Um, and I think that's when collaborations work, when you decide that you want to work with each other because you respect and you love what each other's doing and it just evolves and it's forever evolving with yeah. particular ideas and it's the same way today where she would say oh I have this idea could you do it and sometimes I can and sometimes I'm not available and likewise yeah last question you are a mother 
God. <laughs> you have a daughter. Did I tell you that? You have a daughter. You told me that. Yeah, okay. You told me that. Um, and going back to the, to the notion of a mentor, a muse, and a celebrity, you might be all of those things for your daughter. I hope so. And so what does that feel like to you, or how do you approach yourself in those roles for your daughter? Well, she's four years old. <laughs> um With convic- with conviction, I think, and with honesty, and showing her my world, and um, basically just being present for her. I think that's the most important thing when you have kids is to, when you're away, like I am now, is when you're there to be present for them and allow yourself to be in their world, right? (laughs) Allow yourself to be in that moment with them um, and engaging and learning and growing so that way when you are away that they still hold on to whatever you left. (laughs) And for me, it's what I've learned. it's, It's about being present being in that moment with her and um, showing her and and exposing her to what it is that I love. Like she comes to the studio all the time and a lot of times when we go to museums, she's like mama's work and I'm like, no, that's not mama's work. (laughs) But she has a really great way of and understanding about art and she's surrounded with a lot of amazing women and she's surrounded by a lot of amazing men. And so for me, in, in teaching her about life to the best of my ability, you know, just like, but I think most importantly, to be in all those three things for her is to be present um, and and to, to, to guide her the best way I can and then allow her to be her, who she is. Right? Like, she's she's much more fiery than I am. She has a fierce personality. And um, until allowing that to be forward for her and understanding how to use that fierceness, <laughs> you know, and not to shy away from it because other people are uncomfortable with it. You know, she's very vocal as a four-year-old about what it is she likes, what she doesn't like, what she wants to do. And so for me, I embrace that and try to allow her to see how to use that in certain situations when it, when she should use it and when she shouldn't use it. Um, but also um, being, you know, all the things that my mother were was to me, you know what I mean? And I think it sort of it naturally sort of passes on. A lot of the things that... I used to find issues with with my mother. I'm discovering that I'm that, (laughs) right? But I understand it now, right? I understand it now, and it makes sense. And I think it makes sense more because now I'm a mother, right? And so I can look back, and unfortunately, my mother's not here to say, I understand now, but because before my mother left before she died 
with that movie I did with her, I was able to to reconcile and learn so much about her within that short period of time before she died that she gave me something to mm-hmm. give my daughter. And I think that's why she wanted to do the video, the film as well, because she knew that would be her last opportunity to give me something um, that I could give to my daughter. And um, yeah. And I said, and, and it's such this like sort of just, you know, basic word, but in practice, uh, being present is very difficult because you got your iPhone, you got the business, you got this, you got all of these other aspects that are pulling you away. But um, when you're practicing that, it's it's a beautiful thing when you're with your children. Micheline Thomas, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.